Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, U.S. Bets Senior Analyst Jeff Edelstein. And we're coming to you a day earlier than usual because it is, of course, a holiday week. Before America gets its gobble on, we give America its gamble on. So I'll open the show with the obvious question. What does an Edelstein family Thanksgiving look like? Who hosts? What do you personally cook, if anything? How easy is it for you to escape family obligations and enjoy some football, etc.? Yeah, no, we usually do it here. Okay. Uh, my wife is, uh, you know, she, she she takes control of the situation. Uh, it's a friends and family situation usually. You know, uh, there's there's a few you know go to people family wise, but then it's like you know friends who you know not they're not traveling to see their family in Oregon or whatever. You know, she opens doors to them. Hmm. It's a it's gonna be like 25 people here tomorrow. Wow, uh, which is about. 16 more than we can comfortably handle. <laughs> so I'm just glad, you know, the weather here in Jersey is going to be nice. So it's going to be like 50s and sunny. So like definitely like we'll be encouraging people to utilize the outdoors. As far as cooking goes, I am nowhere near the kitchen. That's for the benefit of everybody. And as, as for watching football, I mean, it's like, why start now? You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> that that that's the least surprising part of your answer the the opening the door to friends not not just family but friends as well that uh that's maybe the most surprising i didn't i didn't know that uh people actually did that it's more fun honestly because like at least you could choose your friends you know what right. i mean <laughs> i guess so <laughs> uh but yeah, I'm, not, no, I'm not going to read anything into that about your family well uh, you read read away but uh <laughs> no my mom and dad are coming my wife's sister is coming and then after that, yeah, it's a uh, you know bunch of friends. Honestly, you know, one family, uh, one friends. You know, the, the Oregon was the answer. Like they, uh, their families. You know, they're from Oregon. They don't have family right. out here. 
Uh, another one, uh, again, Pacific Northwest. They have family. Maybe I should just send them to Seeley's house. <laughs> there you go. Yes, that would be our co-worker, Mike Seely, who lives in the Pacific Northwest, for those listeners who uh, don't know who you're referring to. But, uh, well, that's very nice of you to uh, welcome so many people in. Uh, we we are doing nothing of the sort in terms of allowing non-family into our house. We are hosting. <laughs> uh, that's That's been the tradition the last five years or so, at least. Uh, my wife and I were the first ones of our generation of siblings to get married and have kids, and so we been kind of the hub for a while and uh, my mom and my in-laws get along great um, I forget if I mentioned this to you or mentioned it on the podcast at all but uh, my mom recently downsized to a condo right next door to my in-laws so we have uh, one-stop grandparent shopping uh, from this point forward but also uh, that's uh, an indication of how well they get along so we do all the holidays together um, so great. Yeah, but so we're we're hosting, but not too huge this year. I think it's 11 of us, and uh, I normally don't cook anything. Um, but this year, um, as, as I believe you know, I'm a lactose intolerant pescatarian. Uh, I, uh, I I don't go near the bird carcass, as Levitan calls it, right. uh, and uh, and a bunch of the sides have dairy in them, so I'm kind of limited on Thanksgiving. So so this year, I'm making myself and anyone else who wants it a little impossible meatloaf. And, uh, you know, just give the word, Jeff, and I'll send a slice to Trenton for you. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, you have I, some time. Think it over. Right. Yeah, no, no, no. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll run it up the flagpole. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to you on that. Right. Okay. As as <laughs> as for the as for the football on my end, um, I I'm usually good to have the TV on most of the day and and watch a little football here and there, but I can't get away with parking in front of the TV all day. No. And, just... If if the Eagles ever played on Thanksgiving. I could probably get away with it, but, um, you know, being unavailable because I'm sweating some DFS and some parlays, I think there would be a lot of stink eye going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's just, I mean, I, if, if, when, yeah, football for me is when everyone else is sleeping. That's basically the, the chance <laughs> I get to watch football. Well, you load them with enough uh, turkey and tryptophan. That's it. That's it. <laughs> All right. Thank you to everyone out there for joining us for episode number 218 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 217 episodes, they're all available on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. Please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and write a nice review. Tell us what you're most thankful for about the pod. I I know what I'm most thankful for, that we use a pretend bankroll for our bankroll segment. That's the best decision I ever made to make our bets with fake money. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, w- I mean, we'll get to that later, but yeah. man, it, it is, uh, not, it's not, I have not exactly added to the, uh, <laughs> experience here, unfortunately, but uh, listen, coming up a bit later, we're going to be talking with, uh, Brendan Bussman, uh, managing partner of B Global Advisors. We're going to be talking about what went wrong in California, what might go right in California down the road a little bit more. Uh, but first, before we get to that, as always, Eric, a lot of news out there. So let's, let, let's get to the news of the week. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Let's kick off the news segment with what amounts to a follow-up to our interview last week with Bennett Conlon. Uh, We spoke to Bennett about the impending launch of mobile sports betting in Maryland. But now it's a reality. Seven sports books, Barstool, BetMGM, BetRivers, Caesars, DraftKings, FanDuel, and PointsBet, went live at 2 p.m. Monday for an eight-hour test period, then closed up shop for the next 35 hours to undergo audits, and launched in full today, Wednesday, at 9 a.m. 
Governor Larry Hogan and Maryland Lottery Director John Martin held a press conference Tuesday at which Hogan complained one last time about the two-year wait between legalization and launch and projected roughly $30 million in tax revenue for the state in 2023. And Martin noted that three additional operators are approved and will launch next year, while 11 more could soon receive qualification hearings. So there are seven mobile sports books right now in Maryland and possibly triple that by sometime next year. I'm not sure if you have a whole lot of analysis to add at this point, Jeff, but uh, any thoughts to share on the launch, on anything Bennett had to say last week, or on the possibility of problems over the long holiday weekend? You know, I'm just going to echo Hogan here because I, I am legitimately flabbergasted at like how difficult these state legislatures make this on themselves. Like, it's not like other states haven't successfully done this before. Right. Like, you've been covering this longer than I have. New Jersey was the first, I guess, more or less, like to really like or one of the first. I, certainly. Yeah, I think maybe Delaware technically Del- right. edged them, but uh, not not New Jersey mobile. But, New Jersey, New Jersey was the was first major one. Yeah, the first major one to go mobile and to do it like in a robust manner. Right. right. How many how many times have have we written about how New Jersey messed up? Right. Not not often. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> copy, paste, hit enter, vote yes, go. Like, I don't it, it's not like this hasn't been done a million times before. The, the two year wait is obnoxious. You know, Ohio is similar. You know, they're launching on the first of January. But, you know, it was legalized there for, you know, over a year ago now. I, I mean, just come on. Copy and paste. Vote yes. Carry on. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting with the in terms of what people have criticized in New Jersey. There's basically one thing, which is the can't bet on in-state college teams. Right. And of course, that's the thing that a bunch of other states have copied for right. for, no, for no discernible reason. Right. But um, as far as Maryland, um, I'll note that Bennett has a live blog going today on Sports Handle. So I recommend anyone who wants to keep track of what's uh, happening with the launch, uh, all the notable sub stories, etc. Check out that blog. Um, but yeah, with Maryland, with the rollout, it's been far from ideal on a lot of levels. It, it took two years to happen. They finally did it and decided to do it Thanksgiving week, which sucks for all the sportsbook employees and regulators who have to work over the long weekend and otherwise might not have. And the start and stop nature of the launch isn't what you really want as a better. I mean, I'm not as up in arms as some people about it. I mean, you know, it's Monday night football or something. I'm live betting it. And then at 10 PM, I can't continue live betting it. It's one game. You'll, you'll be fine, but it's still a little weird. Um, then again, lots of states do this. This is actually kind of like how they do it in Pennsylvania, that there's a soft launch where the sports books have limited hours for two or three days, followed by a full launch. So it's temporary. You deal with it. And uh, and now, uh, as of today in Maryland, you can bet 24-7. But I will be curious over the long weekend to see if there are issues that arise and whether resolution comes slowly because it's a holiday weekend. Yeah, I, you know, I'm guessing there won't be because I, 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 as much as like the states like can't get out of their own way, you know, I'm pretty confident the sports books know what to do at this point. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. That that's the key thing. It it may be new in Maryland. It's not new to any of the seven operators. So hopefully it all goes smoothly. All right. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. 
the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Um, our second story this week is a troubling one. From Sunday through Tuesday morning, various DraftKings customers reported that their accounts had been compromised through some sort of third-party breach with hackers logging in, locking out the actual account holders by changing the phone numbers associated with the accounts, and withdrawing funds. According to DraftKings, the total amount of the funds taken from customers' accounts was about $300,000, and it was all quickly returned or would soon be returned. But still, having thousands of dollars in your account and watching it disappear, even if it's soon returned, that can be terrible for consumer confidence. And this was reflected to an extent in the DK stock price dropping about 10% on Monday. Jeff, you're a DraftKings customer. I'm a DraftKings customer. How much does this rattle you? And how scary do you find it, not just with DraftKings, but but for the industry as a whole? I mean, between FTX and this, is there an increasing feeling that any money that exists online isn't safe right now? Uh, yeah, it rattled me. I mean, I, I usually keep a, 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 you know, a not insignificant amount of my bankroll inside of the sports books, just, okay. just for ease of, so that, you know, when I want to do something, uh, honestly, it's mostly like for arbitrage stuff. Like if I see an opportunity, you know, right. I want to have the money there. It's just it's one less step if I need to deposit the money. Right. Uh, but I took it out. I, 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 I didn't empty my accounts, but I emptied them down to like, well, if they steal this, like I'm not going to be that upset kind right, of money right you know but yeah i mean i don't know i mean i guess i should probably change my passwords i think i'm hoping that being in new jersey which already now is the first and only i believe a two-factor authorization mm-hmm. like must state i think that protects me a lot i'm hoping um because i don't want to have to like start changing my passwords mostly because i'm not like a good password keeper <laughs> yeah. you know i just i try i just trust my you know android devices to remember them for me right um so yeah it's, it seems like a big hassle uh, but yeah, no, it rattled me. I mean, you, you, you hate seeing stories like this again. I'm, I'm trusting that I'm going to trust in the two factor authorization. I'm going to trust in that I, my number won't come up and probably just, you know, forget about it, hopefully, but no, right. it's, yeah, it, it's, it's rattling for sure. And so, so to be clear, it wasn't just DraftKings that you took your, most of your money out. You did this on, on all of your various, uh, online accounts. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've generally been lazy about passwords. Um, you know, I, I get those notifications all the time. You know, this password can be easily guessed. We recommend right. you change it. And I just ignore it. Um, same yeah. as you, you know, it's saved on my phone and, and my computer. I don't feel like changing it. I guess maybe I should think about it. Um, but then again, it seems there's no penalty typically for getting hacked. Um, you know, you deal right. with some stress and, and some wasted time on the phone with banks or credit cards or what have you, but seems like you always do get the money back. Um, so I don't know. That kind of discourages me from doing anything. But right. um, clearly two-factor authentication is the wave of the future. As you said, it's already required in New Jersey. I have one sportsbook account in Pennsylvania that does require it. And just today, I woke up to see FanDuel when I tried to log in was recommending that I start using two-factor authentication. It should help. I mean, you you try to log in and and they send a code to your phone and then you use that phone that code to complete the login and so now nobody can get into your accounts without possessing your phone and presumably knowing your 
phone passcode or, or, right. or stealing your face, uh, I guess would be the other option. But yeah, bigger picture, any kind of money in any kind of digital form, we should all be at least a tiny bit uneasy, I guess. I mean, we're long past the fear of like sharing your credit card info online. Uh, I'm sure you remember, you know, 20 or so sure. years ago, for me, it was like the first time I considered opening an offshore betting account. Uh, and I got to that point where I was asking for my credit card and I don't think I had ever, ever given out my credit card number on a website before. So, so I wimped out and didn't end up starting a, an offshore account. Um, now we're long past that. I'm, you know, I'm, typing the last four digits of my social security to, to strangers. Uh, but um, so maybe we've gotten too relaxed, but um, again, we can kind of be relaxed because we always get made whole after we get hacked. That seems to be the bottom line here. It's it's very true. Yeah. I get it's, which is thank God. Right. But <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, sir, if I, you know, like I, yeah, I mean, I don't think about it as often as I probably should, especially because I, I have like had my like identity stolen before mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, it's a pain in the ass. Right. But it, it doesn't end up costing you anything. It's it just except right. time. It's yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I don't keep much money at all in any of my gambling accounts, not because I'm like afraid of a hack, but it's just sort of once they get up to a certain point, I, I like to cash money out. So most of mine have like three or four hundred bucks in them. I don't need more than that at a given time. Typically, the right. only one that I have a tendency to run up is my Poker Stars account. Um just because, you know, it's better to have a, a little bigger bankroll to work with when you're playing poker. Um, that one I'll keep like closer to a thousand dollars or so typically. But when it starts ballooning beyond that, I always cash some out. But that's also, you know, I can have that modest amount because I play medium stakes at best. Um, if I was playing high stakes, I'd need 20,000 or something yeah, in the sure. account. And, and so maybe I'd be more ca careful with my passwords and such if I had that kind of money in the account. But well, if you ever need if you ever need a good password, if you ever have a lot of money in your accounts and you need a good password, let me know. I'll I'll try to help. <laughs> I'm not I'm not getting my passwords from you. I'm not sharing my passwords <laughs> with you. Uh, I'm I'm generally over trusting, I guess, of the internet, but I will remain under trusting of you, Jeff. <laughs> Seems reasonable. All right, uh, we'll finish the news segment with a bit of media on the media talk, as the New York Times decided this week to not just wade into the sports betting waters, but to write four stories about our beloved industry, including one allegedly deep piece of investigative reporting, earning the ire of most of the industry along the way. Uh, the main investigative piece explored how lobbyists help get sports betting legislation passed through the same supposedly nefarious means by which lobbyists try to get everything passed. Uh, there was also a piece highlighting Barstool's Dave Portnoy as the allegedly racist and misogynist poster boy of the industry, an expose full of various takes that anyone who has paid any attention to Portnoy is already well aware of. This isn't to say none of these articles feature any good writing or valid criticisms, but it feels heavily tilted toward the negative, with hardly a mention anywhere of the legal betting industry serving as a positive alternative to the illegal sports books. Uh, Jeff, you wrote a retort on Sports Handle, so I know where you stand, but feel free to repeat your general position for anyone who didn't read your op-ed. And do you see the New York Times' coverage as ultimately damaging for sports betting, or, or is it inconsequential, what they say? I think in the end it's going to be inconsequential. But yeah, I, it, the the... My takeaway from it, that, listen, nobody's saving the whales in this industry. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> right. but show me a business that is in it for profit that that is, you know, you know. And so the article could have been a great like expose investigation on how bills get passed, right? 
and talk to any, as I did, any legislator, talk to experts in this field. The, listen, this is not a pretty business, right? I mean, like, oh, my God, like, oh, my God, what a shock. You know, <laughs> firms hire lobbyists to, like, you know, try to, like, bend the ear of politicians. Like, no kidding, right? right. But the way the article is presented to someone who's not all that familiar with lobbying or politics or specifically sports betting, it really made it sound like just, it's like the sports betting business that is like the evildoers here. Right. But in fact, everyone's an evildoer here, you know? Right. And so like, I, I just, I don't get it really. I'm not, I don't, I, I, I didn't understand why they did this and went after the sports betting business in particular when they could have gone after any business that, you know, needs politicians to pass laws. Um, but yeah, in the end, I think it's inconsequential. I, I, it's, I, you know, if you're if you're for sports betting, you read the article, you're like, well, whatever. If you're against it, it's not going to, you know, nobody's opinions getting changed. As for the whole Portnoy article, I mean, you're right. There was nothing in there outside. I guess outside of the bankruptcy that he declared bankruptcy like 20 years ago, um, you know, like 20 or 30 grand's worth of bankruptcy. Hmm. Uh, you know, listen. As for Portnoy, I mean, listen. He's obviously said and done things that are, you know, objectionable at best or at worst or whatever but honest to god I, I i'm entertained by the guy i really i follow him on twitter i love watching his pizza reviews the guy's he, he's, a, he's 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 a modern day pt barnum as far as i'm concerned you know and i i i i, I kind of enjoy his shtick um and you know and again he's he's not an owner of pain and you know he's he owns barstool which he's selling to pen he's he posts his bets I, I i don't know i don't i don't see any problem with any of it honestly uh uh, overall, I thought it was a pretty lousy job by the New York Times, which upsets me as like a media guy and a media watcher and like someone who's like, you know, if, if they can't get stories like this right and fair. Right. And I, you know, I consider myself like kind of like progressive left leaning, you know, vote Democrat in the election, stuff like that. So, like, it's annoying when like my paper of record screws up like this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's um, right. It makes you wonder when you're reading they're reporting on something you don't mu know much about, whether they're doing right. as, as hacky a job on that also. And I guess uh, now that you're mentioning that, it's like reminding me of all the journalists uh, when season five of The Wire came out um, because the season five, did you, did you watch The yes. Wire? Okay, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, season five is partially set in the newsroom and suddenly all these journalists are like, oh, well, that's not really how it is. And now do I have to wonder if all the stuff I thought was so incredibly realistic the first four seasons is also not that realistic because right. uh, just because I don't know the ins and outs of the drug trade. But um I go through this sort of thing a lot in my uh, second life as a boxing journalist. Um, boxing is a niche sport, a cult sport, whatever you want to call it. And we frequently get annoyed over the mainstream ignoring boxing. Um, but then once or twice a year, there's a big fight that does get some mainstream media attention. And we get even more pissed about how the people talking about it know nothing about boxing. Um, you know, Stephen A. Smith's idiotic take gets amplified and there are millions of people out there who don't realize he's talking out of his ass. That's what all this New York Times coverage reminds me of. They're, they're interlopers. They're, they're scratching the surface, giving this very limited partial perspective on things. And then they'll go away and, and they'll just check back in on our industry if there's a big scandal. But it's like... What did I expect? You know, I, I, you and I follow this industry 40 hours a week. We understand things on a fairly granular level, but 
the Times isn't writing for us. We're not the target audience. The assumption is that their reader knows almost nothing about sports betting. And so a surface exploration is about as deep as they really need to go. It would be nice if it was a little more balanced. Um, I think you pointed this out in your piece, the way that they don't celebrate the $410 million in tax revenue or whatever it was. Instead, they're lamenting the $150 million by which it fell short of someone's projections. Um, kind of would be like writing a piece about Kyle Schwarber's season. And instead of saying 46 homers is a lot, you're writing that, man, this guy couldn't come within 15 homers of Aaron Judge. Um, that's that's kind of the approach they're taking. But I don't know. It, it's frustrating, but it's predictable. And I shouldn't get worked up about it. And in the end, I but it agree was just, with you. It was just bad. It was just lazy. And it, it right. starts out right in the, the main bar starts right in the beginning about this legislator in Kansas who's being plied with whiskey and cigars. And it makes it look like this is so bad and nefarious. Well, right. it, it took me all of literally five minutes to find <laughs> out that in Kansas, right, that in Kansas, where this legislator, you know, where this guy's a politician, it is perfectly legal to give politicians food and drink, you know, without any, uh, it's perfectly legal. There's, right. there's no reporting needed. You know, food and drink is, is, is above board. They could give as much as they want. So if I'm a lobbyist, what am I, an idiot? I'm not right. going to give food and drink. <laughs> I mean, so it would have been, it, the story was a great takedown of how the lobbying politician industry works right right but, <laughs> but it was not, not presented, presented that way that, right you know? exactly um well on the plus side at least they gave sports handle some links they so did. we can be happy about that i guess Absolutely. um but uh and i'll just uh quickly note uh that i am very much not a fan of portnoy um i'm not uh, i'm not sure what it is about him that you enjoy but either way pointing out the problems with him is just it's so played out. It's it's lazy, and and just by doing so, you're kind of announcing to the world that you are popping in to write about this industry for the first time. Because if you'd ever written about it before, you would have already covered Portnoy right. when Barstool right. Sportsbook first got rolling. But again, we should be prepared for this crap. It's what happens when you cover something niche and mainstream suddenly wakes up to this thing that, that you've right. already been covering. Uh, but as you said, uh, they, maybe, maybe even if expectations were low, they went under them with the way that they approached it. Yes. Agreed. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the gamble on interview. The midterm elections are beginning to fade into the background a bit, but within the gambling industry, one result that continues to reverberate is the failed effort to pass sports betting initiatives in California. Joining us now to discuss the past, present, and future of California sports betting, among other topics, is one of the most knowledgeable and most quotable consultants in the gambling industry, Brendan Bussman, managing partner of B Global Advisors. Brendan, welcome to Gamble On. Pleasure to be here with you guys today. Excited for... Uh, to have this conversation with you and uh, always a pleasure to talk about uh, one of the greatest industries on the planet, that being the gaming industry. So uh, it's great. Yeah, uh, it is a great industry, but it uh, it didn't have a, a great uh, Tuesday a couple of weeks ago. Um, Prop 26 and Prop 27 didn't just lose at the ballot box. They got blown out 68-32 in the case of Prop 26 and 83-17 for the mobile initiative. So before we look ahead to the future, 
I want to get your take, Brendan, on what went wrong two weeks ago. Were you surprised by these losing margins? And what do you think is the chief reason that these initiatives fell so short? Well, first and foremost, uh, to say I was surprised, I I will say I was. But let me qualify that from the standpoint of I didn't think 17 percent was achievable uh, (laughs) as far as that low of a number. Uh, and, and I feel bad saying that because obviously I know there were a lot of dollars spent and a lot of things that went into that, but, you know, very early on looking at this from, from a political standpoint, um, this was doomed to fail almost from the beginning. And I say that from the standpoint of, I can only in the years I've been involved in politics and we don't care how many that is, uh, get a saw and cut me, cut through me and you can count the number of rings, uh, to figure out how many years that's been. But when you have two competing ballot initiatives that are very similar in nature, uh, either one of two things happens. Either one, uh, they both miraculously pass, which I can say has only happened once that I've ever seen in my career. Um, Or two, which is what happens most of the time, is they go down in flames miserably because voters don't understand what each of them does. Um, you know, they'll say, well, this is the mobile one. No, this is the mobile one. This is the one the tribes are backing that and that so forth. But, you know, when you knew there were going to be two ballot initiatives on the ballot, um, I knew it was an uphill climb to begin with. Little did I know at that point in time that, you know, you would see the numbers you did uh, as we did uh, on this election day, um, which obviously, you know, 26 held because it didn't get uh, the crap kicked out of it. Uh, versus 27 that, you know, not only played uh, the best game of whack-a-mole out there, uh, but probably continued to beat a dead horse uh, as it drove its numbers down. You, you, so, you've piqued my curiosity to, just a bit. What is the one example from the past of two competing about ballot initiatives that both passed? So in 2006, I believe it was, there were two smoking ban initiatives on the ballot here in Nevada. Um, and one was a little bit lesser than the other. Um, one was more backed by the industry than the other. Uh, but voters were confused on which one did which. Um, both ended up passing, but uh, it then became who ended up with the most votes. And arguably, the one that that ended up wasn't necessarily the one everybody thought they were voting on um, because it was a little bit more restrictive. Um, but it's what you have for a smoking ban that exists today um, as it relates to basically anything but the casino floor here in Vegas. Hmm. Right. I want to compliment you on that beautiful looking crystal ball you have on your desk. And if I could ask you to use it to tell us what's <laughs> going to happen in California in the future, that, that would be great for our listeners. <laughs> well, you know, there's a few cracks in it, but we will get past <laughs> that over everything. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's a very good question. And, and I think partially we need to look at history off of this because, you know, you, you need to look at another reason why this was an uphill battle is if you go back to when iGaming was supposed to be, you know, passed, uh, over a decade ago, uh, it went down to a similar nature of, Hey, all, all roads lead through the tribes. And I think that goes to, to your question a little bit over how does this get done in the future and and what does that look like from from your uh proverbial crystal ball uh metaphor and and uh you know the the one that has a a little bit of uh prism to it as we sit here and try to get through what does 24 look like or does this go into 26 
you know, I think there's a host of different things. The first and foremost is we got to figure out a way to get everybody on the same page. Um, and I say that knowing, one, you almost had three competing ballot initiatives, knowing that there were a set of tribes out there that had a, a mobile, a more mobile friendly solution, uh, you know, from some tribes perspective uh, than than the one that was backed by by operators. But you've got a lot of diversification within the group of stakeholders there between the tribes, between operators um, to get on the same page. Um, you know, the 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 uh, Pollyannish view, if you want to call it that, is, hey, let's all sit down in a in a in a ballroom somewhere in uh, in L.A. and sort this out. And nobody leaves the room until you see the white smoke come out uh, over anything. But I don't see that happening in the in the short term. Um, you know, I know that that other people have pontificated about the legislature being a, an avenue to try to fix this, which I'm not saying it's not. But. You know, if you look at where we started with this at the start of the pandemic, uh, the legislature took this up and arguably they didn't have all the stakeholders at the table and it didn't get anywhere. Um, you had a bunch of hearings one day. Everybody talked about it, uh, but it pretty much was dead on arrival because the tribes weren't bought into it. So, you know, I think first and foremost, we've got to get all the tribal organizations. And I know that's difficult because of the number of tribes that are that are in California and various stakeholders between small, large, north, south, uh, you know, competing interests across the way um, to say, okay, what what do you want and how can that blend with what the operators want in doing it? I also argue that you've also, because, you know, as you so eloquently talked about the 17% that supported 27, not saying that that means that 80% have a negative view of sports betting, but, you know, at a minimum, we're under on sports betting from a plurality standpoint. So we have to sit there and figure out how do we educate the people to say, hey, ignore what you might have heard two weeks ago, three weeks ago, over the last several months, and realize this can be okay and it is an acceptable form of entertainment. It's here to protect people that aren't being protected today because of what's happening in the illegal market. And here's the best solution to do that. Does that happen in 24? I'm a little less suspect. Does it happen by 26? I'm much more in favor of. Okay. Going uh, to sort of a, a national look at things, um, we're we're seeing a handful of the smaller online sports books starting to give up and close up shop. And uh, we're seeing a bit of consolidation beginning. So uh, I'll ask you to bust out the crystal ball again. If you, if you had to play the guessing game, say five years from now, 2027, how many operators are, are surviving in this industry? And can you see anyone who's not currently among the big four of FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, Caesars, anyone else cracking that top four five years or so from now? Well, you know, you bring up a very valid point. And and, and I look at the, the uh, online space very similar to what we've seen in the brick and mortar space. And, you know, I've been in Vegas now. 18 years and i think of the brands that were here at the time of harris and caesars and mandalay bay group and mgm uh and mirage and all of those that have one combined into you know you take those names that i just gave you there those now are two companies along the way that you know hold most of the assets on the strip um you know do i see you know you bring up the big four does somebody crack through there's always the chance of that. You know, I think you sit there and, and you have two elephants in the room right now 
Um, one of which is what the heck does ESPN do? Do they partner? Do they go in and buy somebody or does somebody partner with them in some sort of way? You know, I don't know with, with the recent activities at Disney, uh, how, uh, that, that may or may not be changing because obviously, uh, the mouse, uh, and the kingdom made some changes over the last, uh, few days and what that looks like. Uh, I don't know how that may or may not alter their sports reviews, but on the other side, the other elephant in the room is fanatics. Uh, who's, you know, come out and said, hey, we want to be in 15 to 20 markets next year. You know, they're making a lot of hires. Obviously, they've got, you know, a good bandwidth of people that understand the industry uh, dating back, you know, not just on sports betting, but on the fantasy side of this. Um, those could be people that come into the mix and and through M&A stay as one of those stalwarts out there. I think what you're going to see, though, is you're going to sort of see that that top group that says, hey, we're here to compete. You're going to have that niche group of people that say, hey, I'm a, I might be a premier operator. Uh, I might be a mid-tier operator, but here's my niche and here's what I'm going to go after. And then you're going to have those that are trying to get into the market. You've always had new players or people that say, hey, I left X and went to Y and I started my own group and and be able to do that. And you find a niche, you help innovate, you do all that to make that work. Because sometimes that's the best way that you have innovation um, over what that looks like is is one of these small smaller groups that comes up eventually gets acquired by somebody um, you hate to see you know as you talk about those that have recently you know shut down both in Fubo and Maxim mm-hmm. um, you know you hate to see people just say hey I'm out I'm done um, over everything but that's also part of the business of what assets do you have and how do you do it it's a very competitive field. Um, obviously in a lot of these aspects, tax rates and those types of things matter, um, because of the margins and marketing dollars and spend and all those things come into play in a very meaningful way. You know, five, 10 years from now, you probably have four or five up at the top, but it doesn't mean you don't have people down in that, that next tier and not to say they're lesser brands or anything else. Um, but you have people that have those niche and then you have those up and comers that are trying to make a name that. Who knows over the big scheme of things, they may end up being, you know, the David that that beats Goliath. And I say that of, you know, you go back on the brick and mortar side uh, three, four years ago, who would have thought small little El Dorado would be taking over the empire of Caesars uh, and being able to do that? It was right timing and everything. Um, and obviously, you know, Caesars grew off of that. And there's been brands that, you know, you look at a Bally's off of that, that was, you know, the beneficiary of a lot of those assets that they had to jettison in separate markets. How does that apply to sports betting and gaming? I, I think it's definitely a scenario we got to think about as M&A continues throughout the space. You know, speaking of iGaming, I'm curious what you think now, especially now that, uh, you know, the COVID money has dried up for these state legislatures and they're going to be looking for, you know, new revenue streams. And, you know, when any legislator who might be interested in bringing iGaming to a state just needs to look at Michigan, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, where sports betting uh, you know, revenue pales in comparison to iCasino revenue. Do you, do you see a, a path forward for iCasino in, in America and other states this year, you next know, year, short I, term? I, I do, and I do for a couple of reasons. Um, one you brought up, which is uh, the money situation of states. And and I sit there and um, I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but you, know, you already have California that's projecting a deficit for next year. And you're sitting there going... The feds gave you so much candy that 
it, is this just one of those you went out on Halloween night and ate the whole bowl in one night uh, to be able to do it? How are you at a deficit knowing how much free money was out there over the last two years? So, you know, you, you have some convolution of, of two things of one, you know, how much of that money has been set, spent in some of these states? But two, what are the economics that are out there and how does that play in? You know, obviously, most of these states have seen, um, you know, above normal uh, tax revenue coming in and what that looks like. So they're still on the on the up and up plus the free money. So you don't see a lot of states out of the gate necessarily off that. But it depends on how much do they spend? How much do they put in other programs? And do we see a serious economic downturn um, that could inhibit that in a significant way? You know, you go back to March of 20 um, when the world all of a sudden just stopped. Um, obviously revenues plummeted, you know, I sat in a state that, you know, is largely, you know, funded by gaming tax amongst other things. And it was like, Hey, you know, the, the, the money's not coming in. So we got to figure out what we're doing and how we do about that. I'm not predicting another pandemic. I don't want anybody that's listening to this to say, Hey, the world's ending again, you know, um, go, go get your uh, doomsday kits and everything else, uh, along the way. But, you know, I think there's some macroeconomic issues here between inflation and interest rates and other things along the way that's starting to push and pull a little bit, uh, even more than what we've had with the supply chain and other things, issues as cost is driven to get us to where we're at today, that could start impacting states more that they're sitting here going, hey, I've got to find another revenue source to make this work. Then the question becomes, of those that do, do they see it solely as a revenue generator or do they see it as, hey... I'm here to create a new industry. And that's a debate depending on which state you're in is, has been the same over gaming is, Hey, are you another revenue budget line for me? Or are you here to actually do something by creating jobs, creating investment and moving in the case off of this, the tech sector, because this is about as much about technology and finance as it is about gaming. Excellent. Great stuff. Uh, really appreciate your uh, time, especially on a, on a holiday week here, Brendan. Uh, you, you referenced the, the wrong holiday. You dropped a Halloween reference in there on, on Thanksgiving <laughs> week. I don't, I don't know what you were thinking, but. Uh, well, well, yeah, it, it was it was all the candy, you know. I, I mean, I guess somebody, <laughs> I guess I probably should have used, you know, somebody went and sat and ate the whole bowl of yams right in front of everybody. It <laughs> was all marshmallow. <laughs> But, you know, it's one of those that I sit there and look at everything that the that the feds gave out uh, over the course of time. And it's like, how are you sitting there? And, and even the more money that you're seeing come in off of infrastructure, you're like, hey, guys, what what'd you do with it? And how are you doing this? Um, but there are going to be some states looking at it. And I, I think, you know, there's a real opportunity, but the industry needs to do two things to make that happen. Um, one, and, and this is always something that I don't want to say we forget, but we have to continually over-accentuate, is we have to continue to educate stakeholders at every level off of this. And legislators get a heck of a lot more nervous when they sit and, and see a phone and go, hey, you know, somebody has a slot machine sitting at their house, somebody has a blackjack table, um, versus, you know, hey, okay, you're watching the football game and you're seeing... You know, if if, uh, you know, Nebraska can hire a new coach and actually start winning again type thing uh, along the way and, and making wagers. It's a different thing. So we have to figure out, one, how do we communicate that effectively? But two, talk about all the things we do of one, being highly regulated two putting in consumer protections, putting in KYC measures, AML, all those different things. 
And we actually know more about players today because of what they do on a device than if we did when I walked, you know, used to walk into a, a sports book to put, you know, a hundred bucks on Nebraska to beat Iowa this weekend. Yeah. And no, I'm not putting that bet down just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Although it would pay out well. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thanks again so much for coming on the podcast, Brendan. It was great talking to you. And uh, I, I, this was your first appearance on the pod, but I, I suspect not your last. It was a real pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. It was great talking to you guys and, and uh, look forward to being back again soon. So thank you very much. Thanks, Brendan. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We'll get to bagels and locks and some DFS talk shortly. But first, let's update our betting bankroll. And the news is not great, uh, but much better than the previous week's $500 plus disaster. Um, First off, we have the last two leftover baseball futures bets. Uh, These were both placed by Mr. Brennan. Uh, He took a shot preseason on Byron Buxton for AL MVP. Lost a mere $15 on that. And sometime toward the end of the summer, I think it was, he bet on Paul Goldschmidt for NL MVP at even money. And despite Goldschmidt's ice cold September, he still won the award. So that won us $100. Uh, My bets last week. I had the Steelers on the money line at plus 175. They came kind of close, but uh, they did not win. So we lost $60 on that. And my under 42 in Bills Browns, we found out a few hours after recording that the game was indeed moving to D- Detroit and most sports books avoided it. Uh, and Jeff, you and I kind of privately agreed that it should go down as a void. This was before we knew the actual result. So uh, we avoid an L at least on that one. Then there was Jeff's five leg NFL parlay. <laughs> he risked $50. Could have won a little under $1,200. The Bills-Browns overleg was not voided at DraftKings, where this parlay was placed, so so that's a win. Giants-Lions over, kind of close, but it got there. Commanders minus three, that wins. Cowboys minus one and a half, that wins. So four for four. Heading into Chiefs-Chargers on Sunday night, we have Chiefs minus five and a half, but the Chiefs are the masters of winning without covering. That's what they did. And once again, we see why the sports books love suckers betting parlays. Now, here's the can I can I just interject yep, something? Yep, here? go ahead. This here's a problem with the way we do this. All right, because I I made this bet, this parlay bet, and I cashed out. Like oh. I, I I took my half prize winning. Uh-huh. You know, it's and and I so can't can't we can we retroactively cash out? I mean, I. <laughs> Because we could have cashed out for like eleven hundred bucks, right? It, yeah, I mean, look, our our fictional bankroll stuff—it's not a hundred percent realistic. We're not able to do live betting. We have to place the bets yeah, on right. typically on Thursdays and all. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, all we have right, to accept yeah. the limitations. But I'm glad to hear that in real life, at least, you didn't take a take a total L on this. That's good. Yeah, I, cashed, I had a terrible DFS week, and I so I wanted to save a few dollars if I could, and I ca- I'm glad I cashed out. But you know, whatever. Okay. And do you ever would? Instead of the cash out, was there any consideration to like just the the hedge on the final leg, uh, or the I cash, the cash out with better I, I, math? I, I didn't, honest to God, it. I was. I, I think I explained this to you. I was not ready to discuss my Sunday football. I just saw. I was watching a little bit of the game. Well, not watching. I was like looking at the game on my on my phone. I'm like, I I, I don't I don't want to sweat this. I just right. let me take my money and, and go home. Okay. I didn't even look. I didn't look to hedge. I just like, oh, I should cash out. Right. I didn't okay. honestly. I didn't even know that I was winning the bet until like seven thirty. Is I can't talk about it. 
I had a bad Sunday. It's, it's, it's Wednesday morning. You're still not all the I'm way still, back. I'm huh? still not all the way back. All right. Uh, well, let, let's try to lift the spirits just a, just a bit then. Uh, but before I get to totaling everything up for the week, I have alluded a couple of times to our nice NFL futures bets, and you probably have no idea what they are, Jeff. And uh, we, we need a little something to cheer us up. So, so here's a quick list for you and to remind any listeners of all the NFL futures bets we have out there. Um, preseason, John put $20 on the Bengals to win the Super Bowl at 22 to 1. Whatever, we'll see. It's 20 bucks. Uh, I put $20 on Trevor Lawrence for MVP at 80 to 1. That money's gone. Um, I put $195 on Antonio Gibson under 974 and a half rushing yards. He has 444 through 11 games, so almost a lock there. I bet 110 on Baker Mayfield under 3,700 and a half passing yards. I'll win that with a couple thousand to spare. Um, I put 115 on Kyler Murray under 530 and a half rushing yards. That'll be a good sweat. He's at he's at 359. Put 20 bucks on CeeDee Lamb to lead the league in receiving touchdowns at 20 to 1. That's just about dead. Uh, but lastly, I bet $100 at plus 210 on the Chiefs and Chargers to finish 1-2 in the AFC West in either order. The Chargers have a nice two-game lead on the Broncos and Raiders, so that's about as strong as it could be at this point in the season. So uh, did that lift your spirits at all to to know that we uh, have some likely profits uh, awaiting us? Uh, no, because this is fake money, and I lost a lot of real <laughs> money this past weekend. But thank you for trying. Okay, uh, yeah, so that's, that's all I can do, I guess. Um, for the week, we lost twenty-five bucks. We are now down by thirty-two hundred exactly. We have one thousand one hundred three dollars on hold in futures bets, leaving us with five thousand six hundred ninety-seven dollars available to bet with this week. And you are up first, Jeff. All right, I'm I'm taking two futures this week, uh, okay. and they, they're interconnected. I'll give you the first one first. And I just I, at this point, I just want to I just want to win. Uh, minus 200, hundred bucks uh-huh. at minus 200, uh, on Steven Spielberg to win best director at the Oscars come March, April, whenever the hell they are. Okay. That's for, I forget that a Fableman's something like the that. Fa- the Fableman's is the okay. I, you know, I was thinking about putting it on the Fableman's for best picture, but I think Spielberg, Spielberg's a lock at director that minus 200. I should have, you know, I, I'd spring a little bit when it was like at a uh, minus 125. I wish I'd brought this up, you know, then I think it's going to be like minus a thousand by the time it, it rolls around. Okay. So Spielberg for, you know, 200 to win a hundred on uh, on Spielberg is best director. Oh, so, okay. So, two, so 200 to win a hundred. Okay. Yep. Okay. I like that. Uh, and when you said you have two futures bets, the other one will just be, it's not, it's not in this same, uh, spiel right now you're coming back to your second bet when you get to your second bet yes okay yes. all right i wasn't sure if you were about to do them both okay, i want to so th- take the money i'm going to win with spielberg and lose <laughs> it at the following bet. okay good i'm excited to hear what that is then yeah. um all right so i'm going to start with uh, a boxing bet um there's an excellent fight on thanksgiving saturday 140 pounders regis progre versus jose chon zapeda just a great matchup potential fight of the year i think progre is the favorite and that doesn't surprise me But he should only be a small favorite in my view, like plus 150, plus 175, kind of odds on Zepeda. That's what I was expecting to see. Um, I bet him a couple of weeks ago at DraftKings at plus 215, which I thought was a great price. Now I look on FanDuel, Zepeda is plus 320. That's amazing value. And if he's going to win, it's probably by decision. So that specific outcome is plus 550. I can't decide which I like better, so... 
Let's do a bit of both and hope Zepeda wins by decision and both bets win. Uh, but we're still going to be profitable if he wins by knockout. Let's do $50 at plus 320 on Zepeda to win the fight. That would pay 160 And then another $30 on Zepeda by decision at plus 550 That would win us 165 It'll get us, get us going. I like it. All right. All right. So that Spielberg bet, I'm going to double down the Oscars here. I'm going to take that $100 that I'm going to win. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to put it uh, at plus 1,000. Okay. So uh-huh. 10 to 1 uh-huh. on Daniel Deadweiler to win the best actress for her role in the movie Till. Wow. Daniel Deadweiler. I know. I know. Never heard of her. Never heard of the movie. I know nothing so, here. Did you watch uh, Station Eleven on HBO? Yes, yes, I did. She she was the uh, author of the you know the she wrote the comic, you know like. So oh was, yes, yes. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Right. Very okay. Good. Yeah. Very she bad. is good. All right. She's uh, she's an up and comer. You know, obviously the movie Till you know touches on some you know pretty significant issues. Uh, oh, is that open, Till Till as in Emmett Till? As in Emmett Till. Okay. It's All a, right. It's a wide the best actress is by far the most wide open race right now. Uh, I, I, she, I just think, you know, you start adding in the wide openness of it, adding in the role, adding in the fact that, uh, she's really very good. And, you know, I, I like, I like it at minus a uh, plus a thousand. I got the plus a thousand. I think it's on DraftKings. She's as low as like plus 500 on points bet. So okay. I think I'm getting some value here as well. So yeah, hundred to win a thousand on Deadweiler. We'll be popping the champagne if I'm right on this one. <laughs> All right. I hope so. Um, so for my second bet, I'm going to go into the Edelstein playbook with a teaser. Um, this is actually the teaser I highlighted in my Monday column uh, at DraftKings. A three-team six-point tease is plus 160. If I go to six and a half points, it only drops to plus 150. Barely any difference. So I'm going six and a half points here to take any potential pushes out of the equation. Here are the three teams. Dolphins hosting Texans. They're favored by 13, so we take that down to minus 6.5. Next, 49ers hosting the Saints. Nine-point spread, so we get that under a field goal, minus 2.5. And And lastly, my Eagles, favored by 7 on Sunday night at home against the Packers. We bring that down to minus half a point. Basically, we have the Eagles on the money line. So let's bet $100 to win 150. And I ask you, Jeff, which leg of that will end up breaking our hearts? Yeah, I, every teaser always looks awesome on paper. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I I love the Dolphins there. I love the Niners are playing like the best team in football all of a sudden. Um, you know, it's it's the Eagles game. Like, I, I yeah, I expect the Eagles to win that game. Uh, you know, I expect them to win it kind of handily. But like, I just I I just feel like that you know Aaron Rodgers has shown some signs of like caring in the last two weeks. So <laughs> on occasion. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, All right. that, well, that, if, if our heart breaks, I think that's where our heart breaks. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad that you did have an answer, at least. If you had said, oh, I can't see any part of this failing, then that would have made me more nervous. So at least <laughs> this is good. All right. It is time now for Bagels and Locks. Uh, if I could figure out how to tweak the name to give it a Thanksgiving food theme, I would, but I can't. So uh, Bagels and Locks it is. Uh, Jeff remains undefeated. Uh, if we count Buffalo Cleveland over, which... We may as well. I don't know. Maybe there's an asterisk. I, I say you're 3-0. and Maybe someone else will declare you merely 2-0. and Either way, your, your locks remain locks. Um, but I'm only 1-2 and two after the Giants did not cover against Detroit. That was pathetic. Zero schmears. Right now, I'm delivering, like, crappy Bush League egg bagels. Uh, pre-cut. <laughs> pre-cut, but not all the way through. 
uh, and then and then with butter because I ran out of cream cheese. These are oh, these, I'm a disgrace to the bagel culture, uh, yeah. but uh, may, maybe I'll turn it around this week. And and we'll Please. know soon because my lock is one of the Thanksgiving Day games. Uh, actually, Thanksgiving night, the Patriots getting three in Minnesota. It is two and a half at most places, but I did still find a three, so I'm using that, of course. Uh, we have Belichick in a critical game in prime time. The Patriots' strong defense and especially strong D-line against Minnesota's O-line with left tackle Christian Darrisaw out. We get to bet against Kirk Cousins in prime time. And this Vikings team, they're fine. They shouldn't be 8-2. and two. They're, they're basically a 6-4 and four team masquerading as an 8-2 and two team, taking on the 6-4 and four Patriots. Uh, and the matchup and the situation favor New England. I love the Pats on the money line, but uh, Pats plus three. That's my lock of the week. I like it. Um, I'm going with the Seahawks giving three and a half to the Raiders uh, at home. I'm right. I'm right on that. Yes, yeah, it's are. in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, that to me, I, maybe I'm I'm sure I'm missing something, but like I, the, the Seahawks have the potential, I think, to really like lay a beaten down here on the Raiders, especially, you know, the game in Seattle coming off the bye. Raiders have been, you know, they were in Denver. And, you know, I don't know. To me, it, 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 this line seems wrong. I'm sure I'm wrong. But for me, uh, Seahawks giving three and a half uh, to the Raiders. Okay. Yeah, I, it's a little scary with the, the, the hook there being on the wrong oh, side of I the know. hook. But nevertheless, I, I agree with you that these teams don't seem like they should be that close to even on a neutral field. So Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, we finish up with DFS talk. Uh, but first... Uh, Insert sad trombone. Uh, the cash winning streak is over. Uh, I got to 9-0, and but I lost last Sunday, and I lost by a lot. Uh, my team stunk. I played Justin Fields again, which was fine, but I had Saquon, and I had Kenyon Drake, and I got a goose egg on a punt tight end. Just an awful lineup. Five snowflakes, zero fire emojis in my lineup. Uh, it was a good run, but uh, now I can go back to being a mediocre GPP player instead of believing that I'm an actual good cash player. Um, so looking ahead, we have the Thanksgiving slate. We have the Sunday slate. What's on your mind this week, Jeff? Yeah, the Sunday slate, this is one of those weeks where it scares the hell out of me because I, I, I sat down, I took a look at it, and I was able to build, like, my preferred lineup in, like, five seconds. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I know, but it's like, I, it's either, like, 100% right or it's 100% wrong, and to me, it's, like, easy. I mean, pick, you know, three running backs, or all three running backs, out of Ken Walker, uh, Antonio Gibson, and Jeff Wilson. Right. Uh, go up to Mahomes and Kelsey. And then the the four thousand dollar wide receivers, which there's been like nothing has been looking good in that area for weeks now, to me looks pretty good this week. I mean Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Nate, Nico Collins, all three of them stick out. I don't know, you know, throw a defense in there and uh, and print your money. Um, I'm hoping. So what am I hoping for? I'm hoping that when I as the week rolls on, I see low ownership projections on these guys, right. and my my DFS week is finished. I just insert this lineup. Win all the money. Uh, if 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 everyone else is thinking the way I'm thinking, then I'll have to start rethinking for GPPs. But I, again, this is to me, it, it seems like a very straightforward way to put a lineup together. Uh, it, I'm either you know this is either 10x or me not talking about my football Sunday again. <laughs> on, on Wednesday. 
I'd I'd taken a quick glance at it, and I'd throw one other name in the cheap wide receiver list. I wonder if this is going to be another Mac Hollins week. He's like 4,400, kind of in that mix uh, as as well with Renfro out again. Uh, um, So um, I I will still talk cash just a a bit. Um, For the Sunday slate, uh, you you know that I find the decision of which cheap defense to play in cash to be fascinating. Um, But there isn't a cheap defense that I like. I think the lowest I can go is Chiefs against the Rams. They're at 2,800. That's the eighth cheapest D. Um, But of course, the one that we all really want to play, maybe not in tournaments in in case they're overly popular, or maybe they won't be because they're so expensive, but Broncos against Sam Darnold. If you can find the 3,800, I don't know. You're... I don't think you're ever supposed to pay that much for a cash defense, but I have to at least think about it. Um, do, you but, see, do you see the over-under in that game? Uh, it is very 35. low. Wow. 35. <laughs> and I would definitely go under if I had to pick a side. I, if uh, I had to pick a side. How, how is either team getting over 17 points there? I'm not yeah. sure. Um, on Thursday, I, I will play some GPPs, and – I'm, I wonder what Josh Allen's ownership is going to be like. Is is he possibly over 50%? Um, and then if he if he is, do you play him but just stack it weird? Maybe you go Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox but no digs or, yeah. or, or maybe the weird Allen plus Singletary combo. I don't know. I haven't put together lineups or, or thought it through much, but I, obviously the Bills-Lions game is going to be very popular on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, yes. It's, it sucks when the – Yes, because like your your day it could be over. You're, you'll be making a lot of two, you know, the 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 four the late slate two game uh-huh. lineups. You know, if this game <laughs> like goes sideways on you fast, you know. But yeah, I mean, for GPPs, it does make a lot of sense to like you know look to the other games, obviously, um, and then hopes that some something you know screwy happens, uh, you know, in in Detroit. The the one thing that does interest me a little bit is is you know if you're right about the Patriots, mm-hmm. um. Pairing Stevenson and Harris together, nobody's going to do that, and you shouldn't do that. But it's a three-game right. slate, and you know if they both you know find the end zone, and if Pollard you know only gets sixteen or eighteen, you know I think that there's a path for uh, you know that late game, you know double up on the Patriots running backs along with their de- you know along with the defense, and uh, you, you know you, you might have something a little different than the rest of the field. But yeah, I mean I, I Thanksgiving I slates I, I always I feel like it's a disaster always. Because it's like, you know, it's always going to be that one screwy thing that happens that like, well, you know, if you don't, you know, if you don't have 8% Khalif Raymond or, right. you know, whatever it's going to be, you know, you're, you're, you're toast. But the, the fact that you have this attitude and it's always a disaster, that won't prevent you from building a bunch of lineups, I assume. I, I will be pouring money into it as usual. Yes. <laughs> okay, good to hear. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening, and thanks again to our guest, Brendan Bussman. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein, and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling, and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff, the microphone is yours. Please take us out. I don't care for soccer. I've never played soccer. I, I don't understand soccer. I think I was telling you the other day, I don't know what a clean sheet means. Right. This has not stopped me from playing DFS soccer, specifically using the information gleaned from our sister site over there, Roto Grinders. And I got to tell you, I love soccer. I am, uh, <laughs> you know, I've played two slates so far. I'm 5X my money okay. thus far. So, And I'm, I'm at it, back at it again today. It's a great sweat. Starts at 8 o'clock in the morning. Takes you through, like, to 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I, I cannot recommend it enough. If you don't have a Roto-Grinder subscription, you're missing out. And uh, it, it's, it's been treating me well. Hopefully it continues. 
uh, maybe don't get a subscription because uh, let me keep winning the money. Right. Uh, I'm not sure where I stand on this. As you know, from a corporate perspective, buy the subscription, but don't because then I'm losing money on the deal. I feel like. Anyway, that's it for me. I'm gambling on with soccer. I hope everyone else gambles on with their Thanksgiving slates. What a week! What a week for sports. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. Gamble on. Gamble on.